Hey guys and welcome back to Music Gals. I am so excited to be back this week with a new guest but firstly I would just like to say a massive thank you to everyone who has tuned in and listened so far. I'm really happy to be able to promote the voices and stories of so many incredible artists and gals working behind the scenes and I really hope people are enjoying this. Anyways next up I have an incredible artist called Arja Island. Arja's sound is just so vast and she has done so much I can't even name it all. She's created Nottingham Event Queer Noise Club which is an experimental performance and club night in Nottingham and she just has an incredibly impressive visual brand. She does everything DIY and she's best known for her incredible experimental electronic sound along with her massive mostly improvised performances um, which channels so much emotion and you know I'm just going to talk more about that in this interview um, but I'm really excited for you to hear all about how she does this. Her costumes are one of her kind of like main things that she's known for. They're so bright, they're out there and I'd say they're pretty much works of art. Um, Such a cool DIY approach and Arja also ran Ableton workshops for young girls who wanted to experiment with field recordings and sounds which is just really really fucking cool. (laughs) I'm just really excited to have her on so thanks so much Arja for coming on and I hope you enjoy the episode. I just wanted to firstly say a massive thank you for coming on. I'm really excited for this episode um, because your music is just so cool and interesting. It's genuinely like, like going to probably be one of the most like cool things on the series. Um, <laughs> and yeah, look, your live shows are just incredible. So I'm really excited to talk to you about it. Um, and like, I think it's really cool how you've kind of got a lot of stuff about female empowerment in there as well. So yeah, I'm really excited to talk about everything. Pretty standard first question, but I'd firstly just like to start with how you got into music, you know, your pathway into finding your sound and yeah, just how it went. Yeah, it was a long pathway for me to find my sound. Um, so I, it's really interesting because I, um, I, I grew up in, in kind of two households. So my parents separated. Um, and so in one household, I had um, a certain type of influence from my dad, which was um, jazz and funk and soul and, and and some experimental music as well. But like just such a wide variety of different genres. Um, lots of punk and like, to- like talking heads and like... Um, loads of influences um and actually my name is from an album by a band called Steely Dan um so like that's like my my dad's kind of that like influence and then on the other side in the other house that I that I lived in when I was growing up I had a stepdad and he was really into like harsh noise power electronics drone Mongolian throat singing and he was really into music and punk like the damned and um uh, like Desert Sessions, uh, Krautrock, Faust, um, all that kind of stuff. So like really dark, really intense. Like sometimes it would be for like 12 hours at a time, surround sound all around the house. And I'd be like, oh my God, it's driving me nuts. It's so weird. That's crazy. Yeah. I hated it when I was growing up. Like, but then I really, you know, when I was really young and I just wanted to like play with My Little Pony and have my friends over and I couldn't because it was like... (laughs) 
a Mongolian throat singing choir in the uh, in the house, but um, <laughs> not literally. But um, so now, like on reflection of that, I feel really blessed to have such a rich um, experience from such a young age of like a, like different sonic experiences. Um, so really, I, I feel like I I you know when I talk about how I got into music, there's a there's a video of me when I was like, I don't know, about f- three or four. And I was with my dad in the kitchen and I had r- rubber gloves on my feet and two wooden spoons in my hand, like banging and singing along to Talking Heads. And I still love Talking Heads now. So I feel like that that's <laughs> I would say that was my first gig when I was like three in my kitchen with some wooden spoons. <laughs> yeah. But um, so that that's really my roots. My roots, I feel, is like extremely like punk in terms of this um this 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 guttural kind of like craving to be different to try to try and create something different to try and like be authentic to try and tap into some something much deeper than than you know than than I do day to day kind of thing um and then in terms of like my actual kind of career, I guess, or where I started, I guess, like, when I was 15, I had my first gig, and I started off in, like, um, rock bands doing covers of Nirvana and Metallica and... Um, wow, and, that's uh, so different to, like, what you do now, in a way. Yeah. But, like, same kind of vibe, but just different genre completely. I know, and that's it. Yeah. Like, um, so I was really, like, inspired by punk. Like, I loved... I loved the yeah, yeah, yeahs. I was always like really, really into Karen O and the yeah, yeah, yeahs. And like, really for me, she's like the cornerstone, the, the like the root of of things. Her and also this band called AIDS Wolf. But before I got there, I was doing like rock gigs and stuff um, and covers. Um, and then I uh, joined a different band which I won't name because it's just, it's just really embarrassing, like doing kind of like rock and stuff. <laughs> but at this point, so how old was I then? I probably would have been about 17 then. And then um, I really could feel this like bubbling thing of like wanting to be different. And like it was quite, it was a band that was like kind of controlled by the guitarist. It was kind of like the guitarist band, really. He wrote the lyrics. He like guided me on how to sing them and stuff. And after a while, I was just like, this, I, I just want it, like, yeah, I just want to do something different. Like, I wanted to, to be more experimental. And then when I was 18, um, I met one of my best friends now called Andrew Corse. Um, and he, uh, so I basically, just to give some context, I grew up in this little town called Kettering, which is like, got like it, there's nothing there they're like no one really knew about like anything different you know what I mean like it's yeah. just a little yeah. town and so I met Andy when I was 18 and he's a producer and he was making like this mad like warp record style um I don't know experimental stuff and I was just gobsmacked I couldn't believe it and I was just like sat there he was a friend of a friend so I was just kind of like sat there in his living room like oh my god I don't want to leave and for probably a, f- a few years after that I just hung out with him loads and just watched him producing and then like started to we started to write together and I would kind of like describe things visually or I would like describe how to like change sounds or structure stuff so I guess it was like 
I didn't technically know how to produce then, but I, I, I really knew like what kind of sounds that I wanted to create and stuff. And then we um, started a band called Pachinko Sex Reaction, which was my first really experimental, and still to this day, it's probably one of the best things that I've ever done. Um, and it was a duo, and it was very much like kind of Crystal Castle's time, you know, so we were really like Crystal Castle's. There's also this French band called Cat Bambino, who I was really inspired by. And this is where I discovered a band called AIDS Wolf um, on Skin Graft Records and Pre and loads of other amazing artists that were like really punk but but like it was like art punk so it was female fronted with like really confrontational like screamy kind of like obscure female um 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 like front like lead singers and honestly still to this day like that that's like when I'm struggling for inspiration I just go back to like the AIDS Wolf records and for me that's like my heart or something it's like where everything like kind of comes from I guess and then after that I explored like loads of different genres so I was like singing in the jazz bands I was part of like this 15 piece like ensemble that did like kind of um oh it's really hard to describe but kind of like it was like loads of brass it was like live jungle drum and bass kind of jazzy kind of stuff like singing with that and then and then I um, moved to um, Berlin. Oh, I also did some pop as well. So I did like, I tried like, you know, I wrote some pop stuff and I got um, a song signed to Warner and used on this Reebok campaign. And um, then, then um, sorry, I feel like I'm going on a bit. Is it all right? No, it's, it's, it's fine. Just, it's just so much. You've literally done so many genres. It's actually incredible. <laughs> it's, it's really and then cool. No, it's so interesting, yeah. And then when I was, like, doing the pop stuff, I tried to... I went back to Andy and I said, like, I just want to do, like, experimental stuff again because I just felt like... I just felt, like, really unfulfilled in what I was doing, in a way. Or, like, I couldn't quite, like, fit into what I was trying to fit into. Um, So then I just went back to my kind of experimental roots and... um, And then I moved to... So I I did that for a few years and then I did... Um, at this point, though, I'd still not released anything. I, I only released something a couple of years ago, and I'd, I'd done, like, 15 years' mm. worth of, like, making music and stuff. So I, I'm a real, like, release-a-phobe. I don't, I don't like releasing stuff. Yeah, but it's, like, a big deal to, like, actually put something properly out there online, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think that yeah. part of it was that I just didn't ever really feel like I've properly, like, found myself, I guess. Then I moved yeah. to Berlin... And I actually grew up in Berlin up until I was six. So I've, I always wanted to go there just to kind of like explore that. Um, you know, I felt like I, I grew up there when I, was, when I was younger and stuff. So I always wanted to explore that. And I joined a grindcore band. They're not really grindcore. They're more like noise, experimental noise band. And they were fucking amazing. Oh, my God. They were like, honestly, <laughs> like just such an amazing band. You know, this AIDS Wolf band that I was telling you about, they're kind of, like, really inspired by them. And I'd never even met anyone up until that point that had even heard of them or the scene or any any anything yeah. about that genre. Like, so to meet people that had not only, like, heard of them and liked them, but also made music like them, I was just, like, in heaven. It was amazing. 
and that's where I started learning, really learning about power electronics and industrial noise and pedals and hardware and how to, how to, um, like use hardware in my in my live sets because up until that point I'd been using a bit of hardware in terms of pedals, but I'd mainly been using like MIDI controllers on my computer, and I really didn't want to do that live. Um, yeah. So I learned about different hardware, and then. I moved back to England um, four and a half years ago, and that's when this new, like, Arja project started. Um, and, yeah, I feel like it's I really... fresh then. Yeah, It's yeah. quite fresh, because I kind of just feel like I see it as though you've been doing it, for, like, been this persona for ages, but, yeah, that's really sweet. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's only been, yeah, it's been, like, four and a half years, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's where I am today. So it's been like a long journey with lots of different genres, working with lots of different people. Um, yeah, but it's really nice to be able to um, to just do what I want, just to have that freedom to just do right what whatever I want. And yeah, so that's how yeah, I got into creative control. Yeah, definitely. when you're doing your like kind of live shows like do you improvise or is it all kind of like planned out beforehand because it all is quite crazy and fun yeah like do you think I'm going to do this or is it just like whatever so parts of it are improvised and parts of it are so so basically how it works with the live shows is I will create um I'll create sounds using um Ableton using field recordings and then I'll put those into like um like I've got a drum sampler rolling TR8S and that's where my drums this has changed over time but currently this is my been my setup for the past two years um mm-hmm. so I'll I'll create my own um drum racks um and then put it into um the drum machine and so I've kind of like pre um like created the sounds that I'm using and saved those settings but in terms of the the structure of the tracks and what um yeah in terms of the structuring of the drums and of the synths I do that all improvised and I also will do kind of like noise sections that are improvised so in ter- I've got just to explain my setup I guess I've got a drum machine and then I've got a minilog um uh, keyboard since and they're um, connected via MIDI so they're they're going to be in the same tempo and they're going to be like together and I kind of know the the sounds that I already like to use with them and so I experiment more with the structure and the parameters of those instruments but then I've also got things like a multi-effects unit a loop station and like a small monotron synth and and vocals and so what I do is I tend to create like rhythmical um, sections and then glue those different sections together with improvised noise. And that will come from like either recording people in the audience and then looping that and adding effects or um, I don't know, like sometimes I just play around with like completely slowing down the tempo and stretching everything out. And and, and those like in those in between bits are, are, um, are improvised. And really why I do this just because I... I you know, like I said, when I was pl- 
playing with like MIDI and stuff, I really felt very dissatisfied with just pressing play and knowing what was going to come already. And for me, a big part of it, of, of the excitement and the stress is to, <laughs> is to kind of like try and, uh, is to try and make everything, every, every show unique and, and have that energy that I'm feeling that the audience is giving, that I'm giving back to the audience, have that kind of somehow captured and, and, and come out in the, in the, like music as well so yeah that is actually so cool for it to kind of be the first time when your audience kind of hears it that it's ever kind of happened and like it's really exciting but it also must be quite stressful kind of like <laughs> like feeling on the spot sometimes but that's yeah that's really exciting yeah yeah I think I've been doing it so long now I feel like well I mean obviously I've not done it in like a year so I just completely feel like I've forgotten how to like do everything <laughs> but um when I did lots of gigs in a row it was it was amazing because I, I really like got to know my instruments so well so I didn't even have to think I would just it would just like come really naturally um so yeah that was really nice to to to, to be in that place to be gifted with that you know because have, have you, how have you felt like because it's kind of such a different stage how do you put yourself like in that kind of moment? yeah to, like kind of sit there for a minute and be like <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> it's really interesting because it's changed over time. So four and a half years ago when I first did started this project or when my music had developed to this point, I was really working through some really, really heavy trauma, like doing a lot. I, I'd just gone into recovery from addiction. So I was like in like emotional withdrawal, really, really intense, like kind of just going through a really kind of like, like, like difficult time and so it was completely natural for me to just let that out during the live performances but I did used to um I did used to like kind of bring all of that up to this not I didn't used to think of specific things that I was working through emotionally but I would let myself I would let that come up um just before I'd go on stage I would so I would like kind of pace around and I would I'd noticed my breathing was getting like, I'd like do some deep breaths and I would really get myself psyched up and I'd be like, I, I want to like give all of this away now. Like I want to give it all like out. I want to get it all out. And um, really that's where the energy came from with everything, you know, with my performances were so physical. Like I, like I mentioned, like I, I used to perform naked. It was really aggressive, like in terms of, it was like an isolated experience. I wasn't like being aggressive to other people, but I was expressing so much of this like intensity. But what's yeah. really interesting is that this wasn't a character or a persona. It was just an extension of my experience during that time. And it was a way of me like cope, like coping with what I was working through. But the, but the interesting and the difficult thing was that over time, as the years have gone on since I've been rec recovering and I don't have that kind of energy anymore in me, but I'm known for these kind of super intense, like unique, wild performances. The last year yeah. that I was performing, I was really exhausted and I, you can't force that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. I can't. I can't force that kind of like energy or that, um, that emotion. And I wouldn't want to anyway because I want it to be authentic. But it left me in a place of like, fuck, what? I'm drained. I don't have anything to give. Where is this going to go now? Like, yeah. do I have to change my act? Like, and so the last year of performing was really difficult because I was 
I was like squeezing out the last drops of that. And so moving forward, though, I do feel like having a break this year has like this past year has been really, really important. And I wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for COVID. So I'm actually really grateful for the experience of having a break from it because it was so intense and I wouldn't have given myself a break otherwise. And now I'm feeling again this new energy, which is like a similar kind of energy, but it's just coming from a different place. So I, I kind of feel like the urge again to have that energy to give to people, if that makes sense. So it's probably still going to be yeah. like super aggressive sounds and stuff. But I, yeah, I feel inspired again, which is really nice. Yeah, no, I was going to say that that's really good. It, it is good, I think, to have a break and like a refresh, especially um with things like music because yeah you can't really just fake that kind of emotion like you really can't yeah like I say I wouldn't want to but it is really scary like constantly being honest all the time like on stage like um it's really vulnerable I feel really vulnerable to to not be like that because I don't want to disappoint people but it's more important for me to be authentic so I really have to like dig deep and whatever the next live whenever I do get to play live again I have to like remember to the most important thing is is that I'm staying true to like how like where I am in my life right now and how I want to express that and that's really hard because I feel like I've built up like I'm really happy with my my act over the past few years like just everything about it like the visuals the energy the aggression everything like that but I almost feel like it was gifted to me that I was able to 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 do that and it's not like yeah it's not it's just different to other acts because it's not I can't like recreate that kind of stuff and I don't know what's going to come next and people might hate it and I just have to like just do it anyway and that's really scary No, but you will find whatever comes next and yeah. it will just be natural because like, oh. everything you've done so far has been so natural and kind of, I don't really know many other people musically that kind of do it like that. Like it is a really cool way. Like do you find now the place that you're kind of at musically in terms of genre and like style, do you think that's where you'll stay or do you think, because obviously you've done so many different things. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because I've just written another album and even though my like the energy that um the the energy that I give like live might be different I'm still making like the same music and so I don't know I feel like it just comes so naturally to me to make that kind of music to make like noise um like experimental noisy techno rhythmical noise all this kind of stuff like yeah it's just so for, yeah for now I I think that I'm still going to be like, yeah, making that kind of stuff just because it's like, even if I don't want it to, it's still just coming out of me. Like I'll sit down to try and make like a really straight techno track and it just ends up being a mess, like this mess of like different things. (laughs) So I'm just like, okay, well, that's what I make. That's what I make kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you've just got to go with what comes to you. With the new album that you just mentioned, like have you been recording that in lockdown or? Yeah, so um, it's so funny, you know, when I so my last album, my first album, my last one, um, I wrote the way that I wrote that was just like writing bits here and there, and then it kind of all came together, and I got I just was like ah, I need to get it out, 
And then, so I was like, right, with this album, I'm going to make it conceptual. I'm going to have a really strong concept and I'm going to work really linear and logically to get, you know, to, to get a piece of music that represents this concept. And again, I've completely not done that. And over the past year and a half, I've just done bits and bobs and then it's just all come together. So it is just like another collage of the past couple of years, really. Yeah, so there's, um, there is a couple of, I, I guess... I, I guess probably with with this one as well, it is just, um, I don't know. I think for me, when I create music, that I, I really feel like it just comes from a different place, like a different plane or, or whatever, and it just kind of like channels through in a way. So I, I find it really difficult to actually articulate um, or to verbalise or to communicate with words like about the album but there is a couple of tracks on there that have um that have like concepts I guess what one of them is called the thinning Mm -hmm. and that is um a piece of sound design that I created for an artist called Ryan Heath who made a VR experience um and that was really lovely to do and it came really naturally and that's really about the the veil between um two realms and so they call it the 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 thinning you know this kind of like um uh like sheet or something um between two different um realms and that was amazing to do because it was really the, the the first conceptual piece that I've done with this more uh um linear way of creating it so we had this concept of the thinning we went down to Cresswell Crags, which is um, uh, some really, really super old caves in Nottingham. And inside these caves, there are thousands of um, witch marks scratched into the wall from people from like 100 years or from years and years and years ago. Um, yeah. And these marks were like to ward off um, evil spirits. They would think because there was this like um, massive, terrifying hole in the cave that just like goes into the pit of darkness that um the evil spirits would come from hell through that hole and like so they they drew loads of symbols to um to to trap the like evil spirits in the cave and to ward off um evil spirits and these were called witch marks and so we went down to the caves and I took photos of the of the caves of the witch marks and I used um a program to be able to translate these um, uh, symbols from from the walls directly into sound. So you can literally listen to what the symbol would kind of sound like through synthesising it. Um, And that was really the basis for... And then I also did field recordings inside the caves of, like, water dripping and things like this. And, um, yeah, I just did loads of... I used these is the like the source sounds and then I created a, a piece of music to go with this um VR experience and that's in the album um so that's got like yeah I'm really happy with that like as a as a concept piece it was really nice to like be able to tell a story and to have the sounds coming from something that you know that like are conceptual I guess um yeah and then the other one is called Ode to Sophie and um this was really a nod to my favourite producer, who's called Sophie, um, uh, um, who's unfortunately passed away recently. 
Um, but I really wanted to... It's funny, I was saying to you before, like, it's funny because I, I made this before she passed away. She only passed away a couple of days ago. And um, so I just feel like this very... I don't know, it, it's weird. It feels It feels like... I don't know, I just feel really, like, connected to like me moving forward with my music now in in a different kind of way like it feels like very spiritual and it feels like I don't know this kind of like connectedness or something um so yeah that was that's called Ode Sophie um and then also as part of the album I've got a couple of um music videos which were made like two and a half years ago now so this is how long it's been like <laughs> brewing for I guess yeah or um and this, oh no, not just two years actually. But yeah, this is from um, <laughs> this is from um, a residency that I did with Impa TV at the Islington Mill in Manchester. Um, so yeah, we're gonna have two music videos um, coming out as um, part of a couple of the tracks on the album as well. And that was really fun. That would be really oh, nice to finally really get those out into the yeah. ether. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like it's. Yeah, it sounds like it's been a long while in the making. It sounds like yeah. it's going to be a really cool album. I'm really excited for you. Thank you. I mean, it's just a messy noise, really, but... <laughs> <laughs> With your live shoes, they're, like, so bright and, you know, the kind of installations and design, the work put into it just looks, like, so vast. Like, it look, it's massive. Um, kind of, what's the process with this? Like, when did you start doing it? Was that... Like, because obviously, was that just a thing that happened with Arja Island? Like, your new performing over the past four years? Or has it always been something you've been into? Um, I studied graphic design at uni. I'm a terrible graphic designer, by the way. But um, <laughs> I... Um, I <laughs> so I think I've always been really inspired and, and by the visual... Like, I've always done my own branding or I've always, like, um, been really interested in... Yeah, like making my own uh, merch, like screen printing T-shirts, making album co covers, all, all this kind of stuff. But really, like, I think with this yeah. project, it really allowed me to, like, um, grow with, with the multidisciplinary aspect of it. Because but really, the, the way that that really happened was um, collaborating with other people. You know, that's, that's how, how it really got to the you know, the stage that it's at. So my main collaborators are um, Lula Loop, who's a costume designer in, in Berlin. And um, I'll kind of like, we'll, we'll have like a chat and create a, a couple of Pinterest boards. I'll do some sketches on like the form of um, the, the costume, just a rough like silhouette. And then we'll make like Pinterest boards, usually of like slugs, you know, like kind of glowing slugs. Um, <laughs> or you know deep sea creatures um membranes yeah. um you know it the in like internal like human biology like blood cells and stuff like this so i was really inspired by um by the deep sea abyss and nature and 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 biology diseases you know in a microscope all this kind of stuff so we'll create different pinterest boards with different elements of like visual and structural kind of costume ideas and then Lucy is just amazing and so incredibly generous with her time and her energy. And she um, kind of creates these costumes, like brings them to life. Um, yeah. 
And honestly, like, I, I feel like she is just as much part of the project as, like, I just can't, she gives me such a lease of life. Like, there's been many times where I just have been so exhausted and I just can't, like, be bothered to, like, do anything or I'm struggling with mental health or whatever. And she'll make mm. me a new costume and it will give me, like, a completely new lease of life. And I'll, it will, I'll have the energy then to, like, write a new song or to create a new set or... Do you know what I mean? So it's um, yeah. I'm so grateful for her to be in my life and for that opportunity because I don't think I couldn't have done it without. I it just I couldn't have done it without. Her. It just wouldn't be the same without her. So I've definitely got a lot of thanks to give to Lula Loop to Lucy, and then also yeah. there's been um, there's been so many incredible people that have generously like given me their time and like worked with me on visuals and and stuff like. One of the people is Annie Tardne, who's a Swedish, um, I don't know how she would describe herself, AV artist, she's a, yeah, an AV artist. And I actually, like, discovered her work in Sweden when I, I went to Sweden for a, um, for, did I play a show? Anyway, I, I go to, I used to go to Sweden quite regularly to um, these this little festival called Norberg Festival, which is just incredible. And her work was there, and it was fucking amazing. It was like this like light installation, which triggered sound, and that changed as you moved around it, and it was so incredible. And, um, and I was like, who's done this? This is amazing. I was so, like, excited <laughs> by it. Because um, I'm actually really fussy when it comes to music and, and like, installations and stuff like that but when I like something I'm like oh my god I'm in love I love it and she was there she was like next yeah. to me and she was like I did it and I was like I love you <laughs> and then um and then we kept in contact and she was based in London for a bit and so we like yeah we just started collaborating on stuff and we've built installations together for like we did it for this um festival like in a cave, we but we trans completely transformed a cave, um, several wow, caves actually, so cool. like with loads of different projections. Like we um, projection mapped wow. the walls inside. I created loads of different um, soundscapes for it as you like go through. There was like costume installations and yeah. So actually, that gave us the funding to buy materials, and then from there we created other installations as part of the live sets but yeah she's like the um and costumes as well actually she me lucy and annie um collaborated on a costume for ctm festival at berghain which had um led wires um like built in uh, sorry led lights built into the costume which were triggered by sound and things like wow, this so it was that's so cool <laughs> yeah that's incredible and also um layla um um, Layla's like a, an artist that I found at Backlit Gallery. Backlit have been like a really supportive um, base and like really helped help me like my career and like connecting me to different people. And in Backlit, there's a, a space called Chaos Magic, which is a gallery and I met Layla there and she's like a fucking amazing artist. And again, like I was like, I love you. And then she like <laughs> did some visuals for me, which is absolutely amazing. And then I've also collaborated with dancers as well. Um, yeah, who are really, again, like just so generous with their time and like put so much time into 
thinking of different concepts with me and really creating the this like blend with the audience and the yeah. and the and the stage because I really like to play on the floor in the middle of everyone. I like for everyone to be part of the performance almost, you know. Yeah. I mean there's so many people. There's also like Alexis Milne and Tex Boyle, like I feel like I, I, I need to mention everyone, but there's so many like people that have inspired me and like helped me. Also, Sly and the Family Drone and like Lone Taxi Dermis, like she's just an incredible artist. Um, I've had so much inspiration from her. So yeah, I just met loads of artists on the way and who have really inspired me and yeah. helped me. So yeah. to know more about your event like Queer Noise Club because obviously yeah you kind of put on this event was it just you or was it like a team of you and like what was the process of doing that? Yeah so when I was um like so I was touring around Europe a lot and getting to see all of these different cities and the different communities in these cities and the kind of nights that they were putting on like and I noticed it was like there was the there was like a scene in all of the places that I was playing that was like this kind of queer scene. So it's not like it's not like a like a gay club, but it it was more like creative and open to like for me when when I use the word queer in this way, it's like um just just open like. So it's it's just there's just like I don't know an openness to it basically, mm-hmm. but there was this like so I was touring around and I was like even even in in the UK there was um you know in London there was like club nights like Inferno and Manchester there was um, Eat Me and Preach and they were doing this like there was this thread which is basically, like, promoters that booked me for, you know, like, um, so that, that, sorry, I've lost my, I don't know how to articulate that, but, but anyway, I was like, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was, so I was going around, and I was like, why isn't this in Nottingham? Why don't we have something like this in Nottingham that's, like, experimental, techno, performance art, that's open, that's inclusive, that's fun, and, and, and um, yeah, so I, I kind of did a bit of a re- bit of research for about a year where I was trying to connect with like different um, like the LGBT community in Nottingham and different promoters and just trying to get an idea of like, you know, asking people like, does this exist in Nottingham? And if not, like, yeah. why not? And would anyone like else want this? Because I was just sick of having to like go to other cities or other countries to like experience this kind of event and anyway yeah I didn't want to put it on to be honest and I, I really I, I didn't want to like I didn't want to put it on because it's so much work and also I'm not like I didn't really mm-hmm. have any experience in how to um like manage queer safe spaces or anything like that um but I just thought if I don't do it then it's never going to be never gonna happen or or I don't know I don't know I just I just felt like I had I just so I said to myself just do it once just do it one time don't put any pressure on yourself 
you know, even if it's just me and a few of the people that come and we get to listen to just some music that I actually like because I just don't like any of the music that's played in Nottingham, <laughs> um, <laughs> then that's a, that's a win. So I really removed any kind of pressure yeah. from myself. Um, and it was so successful. Like, it was... Um, I'll just never forget it. It was it was so stressful. Honestly, I it was so stressful, but it was so amazing. And we like yeah. It wasn't um. So I had help. There was there was three people that really really helped me a lot. Um. There was um Zoran, um Blue and Cam, and me and Zoran worked really um closely together. And she really really helped me like um with the safe space policies, with, like, just the kind of, um, I don't know, she was just, like, a massive emotional support for me as well because at that time I was exploring my own, um, I guess, like, how how I, like, I, I, I struggled because I was, like, I don't know if I can identify as queer and I was putting on this, like, night called Queer Noise Club and so there was, like, a part of me that was really conflicted. Like, do I even have, like, you know, I felt like, you know, I'm not, I'm not trans or, 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 you know, non-binary or anything like this. I think I identified with the word queer, but there was, like, a lot of um, battle internally for me. But I just really wanted to... I, I've always been so passionate about supporting the LGBTQ plus community. Um, yeah. And I always will be. It's just like a part of who I am. So anyway, I feel like Zoran really just helped me with like emotional support. Like I had to speak on Knots TV, and I was so frightened before. I was like crying. Like I was just like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Just because like it's quite like it's really really difficult to put on nights where you're saying like this is going to be a safer space for people because then you're like saying to really potentially really vulnerable people like you can come here in this space. And I'm going to do everything that I can to make sure that you feel safe, like, to do that. So I just felt like a lot of responsibility. So Zoran really, really helped yeah. me with that. Um, but it was absolutely amazing. The, the night, like, was, like, it was just the, the vibe was so happy. And, like, everyone was, like, going for it. Everyone, like, dressed up so amazing. All of the artists were incredible. Like, it was just... Yeah, it was it was just like I've never seen anything like that happen in Nottingham before. Then I put the second one on at Metronome, and that was really difficult because oh. yeah, which was amazing. Like visually, the installation was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like that before. But the the turnout, yeah, I, just because it's such it a big space, it just felt quite empty, and I was a bit um, disheartened with with that one. Um, and then Corona ha happened, so like. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to do. I probably. I might do another one, but I. I feel like I can't do it on my own. Like it's just too much to do, on my own. No, that is a lot to do all on your own. <laughs> yeah, just the just the like responsibility as well. I think of like, of hosting a queer space. Like it's just a lot of responsibility, and I I take yeah. that seriously. You know, if I. I couldn't be comfortable with saying like this is going to be a safe space and then not yeah not take responsibility for that and it's kind of no it's kind of like understanding okay what am I responsible for and what is going to be out of my control because I got really like so 
anxious about like what if this happens what if this happens and people are like you just can't control everything and if it does then it's not your fault like you know what if someone like says something and it upsets someone you know or like really going into like but ultimately like I think that I mean I don't know if we'll ever even like have events I don't know like how the events thing's gonna look like but I do think it's really important Mm -hmm. that we have a space in Nottingham where people can go and feel like safer because prior to that the the gay friendly and the the like queer spaces were, were not they were not they weren't safe they were not safe like I know from my own experiences of being like shouted at and touched up and all this shit like by people it's just not acceptable really where we were talking about kind of general life issues and I suppose one of the things at the moment is certainly like lack of live events is kind of sad but have you said earlier you know you kind of felt the break was kind of like refreshing in a way mm-hmm. and I think it has been for a lot of us but it's also kind of sad at the same time and you know how have you been kind of dealing with that because obviously your most of your career is live um how have you found that um at first like the first kind of six months I guess probably long probably like actually up until this past couple of months it's been really really nice like I really needed a break it was really refreshing and stuff and now to be honest I'm I feel quite upset like I really because now it's like now I feel really ready like I have that fire in me again I've got my energy back to do like a live performance that's going to be yeah I've just got that energy and I just don't know when that's going to be and the thing is for me is that everything that I do was towards the live performance so all the visuals that I made or edited like the 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 branding would be for like the posters and the and and the obviously the music the costumes like everything it is is the, the the end goal is to is to perform it that's that's always been the case for me I've always been like yeah a performance a performer you know I'm not but I'm not I've, I'm, I'm I don't get the same release as you know to like emotional release by releasing an album or get I don't know doing a podcast or whatever I just find it really flat like I'm not um not flat but like uh, in comparison you just can't compare the two yeah Yeah. no it's just it just doesn't stack up the same like it doesn't give you that buzz and that feeling inside like versus making stuff at home and just even like have you found like digital performances have you done anything like online have you yeah I did it I did one for fact magazine which was really fun really really fun it was right at the start of lockdown I think I was the second um, artist to do something so I built an installation in my spare room and that was really fun um and then I did one more and then after that I haven't done any more because it's just not I it's just like I'm not I don't want to do it like it's just not the same it's like I'd rather wait if I have to wait another year you know I'd rather just wait like because it just doesn't translate properly it has to be live there has to be people there that are not socially distancing in for for my performances to work and I can't really think of I can think of ways around that 
but they're not there's not really things that I that for me are gonna like make me feel a sense of fulfillment so it might be like a couple of years even before I gig again or whatever but yeah it's kind of sad I guess at the same time in my head once things do go back to normal like hopefully the live scene is just going to be like so incredibly fun that I don't think ever in our lives we will have experienced something so exciting that's what I'm thinking because everyone's going to be so like kind of ready to like go out and like I know we're all going to like just explode aren't we like the first gig just like like I think think when we are actually told we're allowed to go out I'm literally just going to be like I know it's just going to be so weird but yeah I know I can't wait either (laughs) I cannot wait for a gig I tell you it's going to be amazing yeah I'm really looking forward to I'm looking forward to going to a gig to like to go in to see an artist that I really love like I I'd love to see you know my my massive inspirations are like Maria Horn I mean her live stuff is just unbelievable and like Pharmacon, Puse Mary like all of those people like oh if I could just go and like see one of them <laughs> play live I just feel like I'd cry I mean I definitely will cry because yeah. it's just yeah, I think it's just going to be so emotional when we are. Yeah, definitely. See people. I've got gig tickets for June, and I feel like that's too optimistic. Anyway. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Who, <laughs> but... Who's that to see? Uh, it's to see a band called Glass Animals. Oh, okay, I don't think I've heard of them. Yeah, they're really good, actually. They're quite electronic and kind of, but an indie pop band at the same time. And yeah, I'm, I was yeah. really excited because um... I think they live would be really good. Like, they have some great live setups and... Yeah, it would have been really exciting, but we'll see what happens because it's not definitely no. Yeah, exactly. And it might be, you know, the vaccine is out now and (laughs) I don't know. It just feels a little bit like I think because of the way that our government has orchestrated things like this, it it feels like there's not been a long term plan. Like they've just been really responsive and just doing things in like weekly chunks or whatever. And I think because of that, it's just it feels like at the moment it's like is it just going to be another year of this? Like, I don't know, like, but... I, yeah. 100%. Because I feel like at the beginning we all thought, oh, um, I remember thinking, oh, I'll definitely be travelling over summer and, yeah. like, doing stuff. Yeah. I was literally so optimistic. I And now it's, like, almost... Well, we're almost a year on, and it's kind of... I guess when it's at this point, it's kind of, like, it feels kind of never-ending in a way. Yeah, it but. does. And it's, like... I just wish that they could give... I mean, I, I guess that it's difficult for them to say because we've never been in this situation before, but I just wish they could give some kind of, like... Like, what's what's the plan for the year? Like, what, what are you projecting, you know, for the year or even six months or whatever? Just so... Even if it is, like, you need to... We need to be in this national lockdown for, like, six more months. At least then you can, like, prepare yourself and be like, right, I'm going to really have to, like, do this, this and this. And, like, I can plan my how I'm going to get through that but at the moment it's like they could like next week be like okay we're going to open the shops now and I'm not like prepared for that or uh, do you know what I mean it's just yeah yeah no it is so overwhelming just not even knowing when anything is going to happen because it's kind of scary I mean I'm kind of like a little bit scared of life just going back to complete normal now Mm, because everything's just so got so used to like just not seeing people at all and not having a social life I know (laughs) you know the other day I bumped into some friends and it was so nice to see them but I just forgot I felt like I forgot how I was just like oh hi like yeah what have you been up to well (laughs) nothing like literally nothing (laughs) um yeah there's literally nothing to talk about with people and it's like what have you been up to it's kind of like 
literally nothing like I've I've not yeah. been to talk to you about yeah I know I know but I think <laughs> I think a lot of people will feel like that and I saw this really funny meme the other day of this <laughs> good it was this guy and he was like um like had a glass of wine and he was like <laughs> no he didn't like as in like the first first socializing event after lockdown and then he went one minute I'll just be back in the toilet and then he, he, he does need the toilet and then he closed the door of the toilet and he turned around and he was just like just staring into space for like ages like just trying to like <laughs> like shell-shocked from the first social <laughs> I was like that's so me I'm gonna be like <laughs> no way be back Honestly, in a second like, I think that's what it's gonna be like <laughs> I know I know <laughs> But the thing is, there is a collective trauma with global global pandemics for lots of different reasons, like the isolation, you know, the 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 the, the actual virus itself, getting the virus itself, like people losing loved ones, like the, there's there is a collective trauma, and if you think about it, we've been conditioned now to like not get close to people, like it is, like it 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 you know it's been drummed into us that if I like go closer than two meters to someone or if someone comes closer than two meters to me this is like life or death like that's how the government uh, yeah that's how it's that's how it's been for the past year and so for me you know the other day in the supermarket someone leaned over my shopping to get one of the um like next customer please things and I was literally like excuse me when you're just touching all my food like infecting my area get back and I just yeah. felt so angry. It's like, it's like you, you do kind of, it's become second nature to be like so disturbed yeah. by anyone coming near you. It's kind of scary to think, you know, I I hope that we do kind of get away mm. from that when it goes back to normal or whether it's like, will it ever be normal? Yeah, like what's it going to be like? <laughs> and I don't want to be like that. I don't want to get stressed out with people like being near me, but also like being in, being in like, an environment where there's lots of people I just get really I just feel really uncomfortable with that now I just feel like my heart stops racing I'm not I don't get anxious but I just there's a, a level of discomfort and I think that's just normal I mean it makes sense to have that kind of reaction but also at the same time it's like you know like you were saying like is it it's maybe when things slowly do start going back to normal it's going to be kind of difficult to adjust maybe I think yeah I think maybe a little bit I don't know I think it'll be different for everyone I think I might I think I personally might find it a bit hard to adjust but it's just you know you just get used to not going into anywhere and I know that obviously you know I do miss it I do miss it a lot but it will be weird going back yeah I miss it as well I, I the, the idea of being in a like kind of room a massive like venue now watching a gig it's just so crazy just the idea of it because it's just so not allowed like it just feels weird I know the idea of like being near anyone like massive groups of people yeah like with no social distancing like people just being able to touch each other well not touch each other I've got all the memories from me like at the clubs last year kind of this time last year and I'm just like what the hell is it's so different like it's just so different but yeah Yeah. Uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was you have such a DIY approach. You literally do everything yourself. Um, and I don't know, I've I've been kind of similar in that aspect. And I do find that sometimes it can be 
a lot of work and and it can and it's really exciting and it's because it's your personal creativity and like having the chance to express on every part of it is just so exciting but how have you found kind of have you ever struggled with that like having to deal with everything especially now being a musician I feel like Mm. we have we have to do every little part like our promotion our you know album artworks every little bit how do you find doing all that I mean I've always been DIY like had that kind of approach um and actually I find it really difficult to let other people be involved like with my new album I'm having someone else design the cover which for me is just unheard of to like release that to someone else but I kind of felt like I just wanted a bit of a breath of fresh air with um with um the visual element but yeah sometimes I mean it yeah it's really hard to 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 do everything um by yourself but sometimes I think the thing I I really enjoy it though I I I don't know I feel for me that works really well because I I'm not the kind of person that can just do one thing, like that just can do music and I do music all the time and it's all I ever do. I'm just not like that. I have like, I get, it feels too intense and I have to have, like, I don't actually spend that much time producing really. I like to do a bit of production and then I'll do some like, I'll start learning a new program like InDesign or whatever. And then, I, you know, I like to... And and so actually the, the the project the way that it is now allows me that time to like to kind of like move move around and, and really just to kind of do what I want really because everything that I want to do it, it can be put into the the project anyway. So it 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 works well like that for me. But I guess what I struggle with is like um being consistent with things and having the self-discipline mm. to do the things that I actually need to do. So I find myself quite a lot doing things um, like duplicating a lot of work. Like I might have already done loads of research on labels and I'll kind of forget because it's not filed properly and then I'll just do it all over again. So sometimes I, because of that lack of like clarity with, and I am quite an organised person, but there's only so much one person can do, isn't there? And so sometimes I yeah, I struggle with that aspect. And also, like, I'm not really, like, I feel like I'm not really amazing at one thing. I feel like I'm kind of okay at, at loads of different things. And so it would be quite nice maybe <laughs> to be, like, you know, really, really good at, like, music production or something. I feel like I'm just yeah. kind of average. So to be honest, I actually kind of feel like that too. It's like, yeah, doing so many different things, but... I just it's fun to do so many different things and have so many different things to do to think the thought of doing just one thing all the time like just making music seems a bit boring at times <laughs> but yeah it is like I could spend a thousand hours doing this one thing and get incredible at it but at the same time yeah I think so as well and also it it like yeah it's just fun I, I just love I love like you know, editing photos and doing graphic design, then I really love like screen printing and making merch. And, and also it gives you that opportunity to step away from a screen because I do all my production. The way that my, yeah, the way it works is I'll do my live shows with hardware, but I write my albums mm-hmm. using the computer and then I'll like somehow translate it onto hardware or whatever. But 
so it provides an opportunity to step away from the screen like to like make some work oh, merch oh, yeah. or do some illustration or whatever yeah yeah that must be so nice because I feel like at the moment I just look at a screen 24 7 and it's it, it's nice to kind of not look at a screen <laughs> oh it's so important to have those breaks yeah definitely because I don't know about you because I'm the same I'm on the screen all the time and sometimes like last night I went to brush my teeth and I was like what have I, where I, where have I been all day? Like, I felt like I'd just woken up. Like, I've been working all yeah. day. And I just felt like, I just feel like I'm just, time's just slipping away because I'm just almost, like, emotionally, like, numb or, like, disconnected when I'm on my computer or on my, on my phone. It's like this real disconnection, this feeling of disconnection. And it's really hard yeah. to, like, yeah, to have the self-discipline to, like, step away and like just be like I'm gonna take half an hour and meditate or go for a walk or just be without my phone in nature somewhere or whatever like yeah and I find it so hard because you're just so used to looking at your phone that even like when you go on a walk like you're looking at it or you're like oh, listening no. to music or something and I'm like Katie just stop looking at your phone yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's designed to be addictive though it's literally like designed like social media is designed by experts in in you know yeah so it's it's kind of scary because I mean I suppose we've not really got a choice now like in a way I I find with music it's kind of difficult because I love social media it's a great tool it's amazing like the opportunity to be able to like share your music online and have like literally anyone in the world see what you're doing is like actually really really cool and I feel like sometimes don't appreciate it as much but at the same time it's kind of like you can't you can't not use it now in a way sometimes and that's kind of hard yeah we're in a situation at the moment where it's the main way of connecting having like connections with other humans isn't it and you're right I think that there's so much to be grateful for with what social media can can give us and how it can connect people especially with mental health I think you know just having groups or being able to connect in that way. But I think it's just, like, difficult to set boundaries and stick to them with ourselves, for me anyway. I can only speak for myself, like, but to set a a boundary and have, like, a routine and and stick to that because the very nature of, like, using social media and stuff, it just pulls you in and, like, then you're kind of, like, not really present with, yeah, stuff. I know what you mean completely. I feel the same. <laughs> Thank you so much, Arja. This has actually been great to have you on, and oh, I've literally learned so much about your music that oh. I didn't know. And it's yeah, it's been really interesting. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been really nice. Like I haven't really thought about my practice or anything in like a year, so it's been really nice to kind of go through things and just reconnect with with that. And so great to speak yeah. to you and really love what you what you do um and what you're what you're doing so good luck with everything thank you so much yeah thank you lovely to speak to you (laughs) (laughs) bye